clubhouse. This is Paul. This is Caroline. And tonight we're here to discuss the fifth episode, the return of This Is Us to the airwaves after its winter break. We're in store for a whole run of 14 This Is Us episodes after the break. Kind of unusual. Normally they split it more evenly, but COVID times. Well, I'm really relieved actually because the fall was filled with World Series and election stuff and we just kept getting pushed all around on schedule. So I'm really glad to have just one straight show shot of consistent programming. Hooray! Hooray! This one is called A Long Road Home. What would you say is the tie-in with that name? I guess I'm going to mostly go to Randall's storyline on that one. Okay. Which storyline did you pick up that it really ties into? You know, I think a more astute arguer than myself could probably put together a case for any Pearson. Mm. Long Road would definitely describe Kate's journey toward closure with Mark. We have Kevin trying to piece together his relationship with with Randall, but it's I, I have a question about that for you later when we get to our Kevin segment. When you say Long Road, th- I think this phone call that he placed to Randall might have been the beginning of mm, a journey. I agree with that. And so what would you what would you say with Randall? I would say that he has been trying to get closure on his biological parents. And so in this episode, I feel like it's been a really long road and he's finally gotten some amount of information here that feels like we're getting closer to him getting his past completely explained to him. Now, of course, there's a lot here that I want to unpack with you because this did not go the way that I expected. In what way? I was really expecting that Laurel was going to be alive in modern times here with us. And so I I thought we were going to experience a whole other son-mother relationship, which I thought was going to be interesting when we can compare it to losing Rebecca, you know, little by little, losing her and gaining Laurel little by little. I, I do feel confident that we're going to learn about Laurel and her story and what happened to her through flashback um, and stories that were told through Randall's contact now, through High Lang, yes. But it's a confusing change for me because I was really ready to see today Laurel. I was also setting myself up for that, but in review, we only had the pictures and we only had High Lang talking to his granddaughter about her. So they gave us enough. This isn't a complete surprise. It's not the way I wanted it to go because I did. I want that for Randall. Only just because it was a complete surprise because I really honestly thought we were going to explore this new relationship with a with with his biological mom. So this is going to be this is going to be a much more complicated tale that they're going to have to weave through stories and through him, you know, maybe going back and, and sort of walking her path a little bit or something like that, which is different than we had with William. And maybe that's because it's that would be too cliche right to to maybe bring laurel back and have like the exact same situation as william you know like oh let's just like put her back in and then you get to know her and blah, blah, blah. maybe it's like yeah but you just did that with william so we have to play this a little differently well in a way randall's story has been marked with death quite a bit more than the others you know with the death of jack with the death of william so the idea that 
you know, he has, he has four parents. He, he was kind of wrote off the fourth parent a long time ago. And then he learns that he had a fourth parent. It might've been cool for the writers to, to just throw the guy a bone, right? <laughs> in terms of not having every relationship, like in that parental realm, minus Rebecca, um, just marred with death immediately. It's interesting because again, this took a twist that I wasn't seeing coming at all with the whole, instead of being upset that Laurel had passed, which could have been the storyline, he was very focused on whether William had lied to him and whether that relationship had been tainted because of this new information. Again, not where I saw this going. And the focus was like 90% on that, 10% on Laurel had been alive and she's already passed. With the information that Randall had from William about the day that he was born, is it is it fair or unfair that Randall was only preset to look at it in terms of either William was lying or something else or or this man's telling the truth he didn't even leave himself open for some third explanation the third explanation though is so odd i mean i think we can try to figure it out you know that basically william was gone from the apartment but i'm really looking forward to finding out what in the world happened did laurel come back to the apartment what went down here exactly? I mean, I assume the EMTs are going to take her away in the ambulance, regardless of the fact that she came to there. You know, I'm assuming they're still going to go go check her out, you know. But what? <laughs> what exactly is going to happen? Now, I have heard theories about things like, well, since this was likely a drug overdose, maybe she is very purposely not wanting to go back to the apartment because she doesn't want to draw any attention or anything to like, this is her baby in like a CPS kind of way. Right. And okay. maybe that might make sense for like a short period of time, but I don't understand what the rest what if... of her life. Right. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, really have no idea how they're going to play this out, but I'm looking forward to it. And, and I thought that they played this out well. I liked how they had him speak to his therapist and try to talk it out a little bit. I think that's like good role modeling for, for the rest of us out here who are like going through a lot of crazy stuff that it's important to talk to your therapist when you can use those counseling, you know, options when you need to. And, you know, I'm glad that they've kind of layered that in for him. And Beth is always hilarious. <laughs> what do you think about that little lightheartedness at the very beginning when everyone dressed in their little muscle man outfits with the boxers at, at work? I'm glad that a show that tackles serious topics. And this episode, listeners, was so chock full. I mean, when it got to the end uh, of our screener, I looked at Caroline and was like, I sure hope that's it. Because <laughs> it seemed like we covered a lot of ground in this episode. I couldn't take any more. So an episode that takes itself so seriously, a show that takes itself so seriously, needs those moments. It needs... I think the funniest one wasn't even J1. It was probably like the 22-year-old Paige, you know, assistant intern <laughs> woman that was wearing the the boxers and muscle shirt yeah. over her office suit. It was all funny. I mean, you know, I appreciate that This Is Us takes it that next step and always tries to find the humor, even in situations that don't, which are maybe not very funny. Like and City Hall. Continue to probably not a laugh riot there. <laughs> right. And they continue to tie the stories in, though. You know, that like that, like immediately brought in the, the storyline with Laurel. So I, I think that they're doing a great job of making sense as they're weaving this tale. This just isn't how I thought it was going to go at all. So, I mean, as like a reviewer, I'm sitting back and being like, huh, <laughs> I thought I kind of knew what the rest of the season was going to look like for Randall. And frankly, I 
don't know. If we're going to spend a lot of time sitting around talking about who Laurel was as a young person, I know I just said if they went the other way and had her be alive, well, that would be too much similarity to Williams. But how is this not the same as, say, like Nikki telling us about what Jack was like or something? You know, like it's kind of the same dynamic then of having someone else sit there and tell us about our mom. Okay, this is us. I want to see where you're going to twist and turn. Maybe. We can ask our, our listeners to write in with all of the annoying possible ways that we could say New Orleans that aren't correct while we are in New Orleans for those episodes where he's learning about his mom, just to kind of lighten the mood a little bit since <laughs> since New Orleans can be said so many wrong and annoying ways. <laughs> Well, that's funny. I think that's regional, right? People try to do all kinds of things. Yeah, there's a, there's a Nolans, great the, the, whatnot. There's a great episode of the of the Simpsons where, uh, for some reason, Principal Skinner has some history in New Orleans, and he says it. You know, he's he's a very midwestern, says everything this bland way, but then he sits, spits out this New Orleans. <laughs> it's, it's completely out of character, and You're so funny. I want I want that kind of flavor for us. Okay. But anyway, I think what you're what what you're describing might wind up. You're right, sitting around at Highlang's houseboat. And Isn't that the same as sitting around in Nikki's trailer? I mean, like I'm just saying, like I hope we. I think we're going to go on a little tour. I uh, think so too. Of New Orleans. We're going to listen to different people. We're going to. Well, li- but here's where I'm going to put put you on pause, though, Paul, because gotta remember COVID filming. What they could have written and what that would have looked like, maybe what they had planned, may or may not be able to come true. I don't know about shooting on location somewhere. I don't know about trying to make things seem more authentic. I'm not sure. You can make indoors look correct. Sure, 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 sure. So I think you're headed in the right direction, though. I think think Randall's story moving forward will be these kind of like a conglomeration of people explaining what they knew. And it's going to take the form of a flashback. I think so, yes. And I think that's what we're going to see when they make that. I think there's going to be a lot of cold opens where we see a woman doing some stuff. And then we're like, oh, this is Laurel, you know, stuff in that world seems right. How unsurprised will you be to find out if she is involved with jazz in some way? Jazz. Well, I mean, it makes sense in that she had the relationship with William and Mm. they shared the love of, you know, music and and books and stuff like that. So that won't shock me or anything like that. In New Orleans, of course. I mean, (laughs) yes, let's not forget that portion. Yeah. Yeah. Do you think she'll be a singer? Because God knows that really plays into <laughs> to everyone's, uh, you know, current what a woman does for work. Right. <laughs> Dance or sing. Right, right. Well, you know. That's their strength. It's those women. Except for Madison. What's up with Madison? She doesn't dance or sing. Madison. She's the only one in the whole mm. crew. Well, let's let's shift over to Kevin. Uh good old Madison and their discussion of of loving the idea of their family. We've we've asked it uh, for since the since the end of last season when Madison became or maybe Mama to be, if you will. Uh, can these two make it? What do you think? I was pretty surprised at Madison's naivete about Kevin's career and everything that would be asked of him. And I thought that Kevin was doing the right thing about like, let's get a nanny and we'll all travel together and, you know, you'll be comfortable and we'll all be a family together. I didn't think that that was so out of line. And so when they actually addressed that directly and had Kevin be like, I'm confused about what you think was going to happen. 
I, I, I'm, I'm really glad they were just really blunt with that, you know, because I feel like I was like, where are you going, Madison? You know, like, how, how are you getting uptight about this? It doesn't really make any sense. If these two are going to work, it is going to be through direct talk like that. Not that not that there are people that get along in relationships that get that can manage with just innuendo and shit like that. But these two have talked about so little. Again, I mean, with quarantine and the fact that really all they have to do is talk about, you know, like what's going to happen over the next six months or the next year or whatever concerning how are we making any money? I don't know what Madison does. So I don't know how she affords this house or how she has anything she has. I'm not really sure that her career has been well explained. Now, listeners might say, duh, you guys, season one, episode three, you know, Madison is an executive somewhere. I, I don't remember anything about her work. I don't remember her talking about it. So for me, I'm like, I, I thought it was kind of a foregone conclusion that Kevin's job was trumping whatever it is she does because she hasn't been talking about work or trying to work from home or do anything like that over these last episodes either. There's almost nothing that she could be doing that would trump his job. But uh, let's just say that she owns a house and lives alone in L.A. So she's doing OK. But... Kevin, you're, you're not making movie star money, whatever it is you're doing. Just from the personal side, I, I didn't understand why there wouldn't have been any conversation about like, where are we going to live? How will we raise the children? I mean, that's pretty normal conversations to have yeah. when when the family's pregnant in any way. Like there's some conversation about like, where will we put a crib, <laughs> you know, like on a jet or in the bedroom next door? Like there's some amount of conversation that usually starts happening. If if we ever got the opportunity to uh, interview Dan Fogelman about about this show, one of the things I would want to know is if he modeled Kevin after anybody he knew, or if he was just sort of like a you know an amalgamation of different actors. And one of the questions I'd want to really specifically know is: Are there these actors that are basically homeless that choose to live in hotels? friends places campers they rent for projects things like that because kevin well you're kind of laughing but i mean you kind of already know the answer i don't know yes you do you've not you've not real heard. honest to god actors living in the united states today i think there's a lot of like renting this? of places and stuff like that and he had a rental out in la yeah i mean i think that you know that like for especially those who are not like the highest 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 level i think there's a lot of renting of properties a lot of okay. renting of houses and i do think that there tends to be kind of more of a multi-people in a house kind of situation. Unless, you know, once you get up higher, surely, or once you have a family and all that stuff, surely there's different situations. But for him just being a single guy, I don't know. And and plus, remember, I think that he and Kate were like sharing a lot when he was younger, younger. So then, okay, then that puts us more firmly into Kevin's head, head a little bit in that the idea of this vagabond life, follow the money, uh, a strategy that works for just about everybody we've ever met. There's no wonder why that would come naturally to him in such a way that he wouldn't even question it and why someone else wouldn't understand it. Why this matters is that Later, in at the end of the episode, Madison implores him to take this beat or whatever she says, take the moment, 
But it sounds like she's going to need to use that moment herself, too. Mm -hmm. Maybe someone's going to come and explain things to her in a way that's like, you know, people do this all the time. They're perfectly happy being on the road or they make it work. Or Kevin, in order to reach that point in his career where he can command things a little more, he does need to do this kind of stuff. He'll get there if you believe in him. This is how it's going to work. And in 10 years, everything's going to be okay. Or five years or whatever you think it's going to be. Yeah, I think it'll be closer to five based on like the ages of kiddos and stuff when we see the home he has built. Yeah. Those kiddos are are only like 10, right? But he needs that. He does. Wiggle room. And, And he even says that. He's like, I'm not at the place yet where I can dictate where we're shooting or how this is done or anything like that, which I think. I mean, look at Harrison Ford. Do you think he shot that his last five movies in his backyard? (laughs) (laughs) There's plenty of actors that are like that where, you know, yeah, they don't get to call the shots. Maybe they get to call some little extras or something like that, but certainly not the whole big thing, you know, especially locations and stuff. So, yeah, Madison's a little confusing to me. I mean, again, I sound like I'm so boggled by this entire episode. But I I didn't quite expect this to be the bump in the road because it just seems like you could have seen this a mile away where Mm -hmm. we're going to live and how we're going to make money pretty much is like, I mean, if you're like 17 years old, you might be talking about that in a relationship. Like, I don't know. What do you want to do for a living? I don't know. Where could you see yourself living? Like it kind of is just basic relationship 101 kind of stuff. So I really am crossing my fingers for them because I'm not sure what they're talking about every day at that house. Yeah, I think they're watching Netflix. And I think he's working out, eating his protein and veggies, you know? So good luck to them. All that being said, they are not so sick of looking at each other. They are not so sure that the other one's not going to be able to make it work that they are like quits yet. That gives me faith in these two. I I know we didn't see Madison flash forward, but there are a million reasons why that could be. I think so. She could be Getting the pizza, you know? Right. No, I think I, I think that it's reasonable that she still could be around. So, And I maintain what we said in previous season about, you know, the actress is Fogelman's wife. It makes no sense to kill her off. It makes no sense for like fan conventions and stuff like that not to have her be a strong companion for Kevin. It doesn't make sense to have her be a hated character or have her be, you know, just written off the show or something. It doesn't make sense for the paychecks for the Fogelman household. So to me... They stay together and things have to go pretty well by the end. At least it's got to be amicable. At least. Because it doesn't make sense, right? You want her to be able to come back for reunions. You want her to be able to come back for stuff. You're not going to kill her off. I just don't think you would. My cold Grinch heart wants to see them together, though. I'm just a softie. But I think Kate might be a, a person that could help her take her moment as well. Speaking of Kate... Wow. She had a journey on this one, Paul. I mean, this was so much information. We picked up like at the exact beat that we had left off with them sitting at that dining table. You know, I I think they've done such a great job of sussing out Toby's character that there was no part of me that was like, oh, Toby's going to flip the table and yell at her for having an abortion or something. You know, like that's not going to happen. We knew he was going to be, you know, okay with it and completely reasonable to be like, you know, why do you think... You didn't feel comfortable sharing this. Again, 
I mean, guys, I I mean, that's something that would come up. They ask you every single time you go to an appointment for anything like women related at all. How many pregnancies you've had, how many miscarriages, how many abortions, how many children, how many live births, all this kind of stuff. Like they ask you that that's on every basic form. The idea that they would have seen fertility specialists or they would have done anything and the boxes wouldn't have been ticked off seems a little like, really? And so it was fair for Toby to be like, how has this not come up? Like, again, like Kevin saying, how has this not crossed your mind, Madison? Like, I'm glad that. Toby was like, I don't understand how this hasn't come up. I respect that she was not wanting to bring this back up. I respect that it was just too much of a pain, you know, for her deep down. It was a wound, you know, to have to deal with. I'm proud that they made the character say, I don't regret those decisions. I couldn't be tied to that guy for the rest of my life. But at the same time, it's not something I wanted to shout from the mountaintops. Mm hmm totally fair. And I think very relatable for probably many, many people, you know, many families or single women or what have you. Many people don't want to shout it from the mountaintops, regardless of if they are completely fine with their choice. Doesn't mean that they feel bad at all. There were probably two scenes relating to Kate's flashbacks that I thought could have been just done away with and we still would have understood everything completely. And I think that they were put there for other reasons. They are the abortion clinic scenes. Okay. In particular, the scene where the doctor explains how the law works and you have to ask the questions and you and these are the questions and you can't do it today. You have to think about it a day and you have to come back and all that. Yeah. Do you feel that this is part of a... A slight agenda by the writers to to put their own thoughts and feelings about where they stand on that issue. See, I thought that that part was actually kind of neutral, like where the doctor was acknowledging, like, I know this is hard to have to answer these questions, but by law, you know, I have to ask you these. These are just these are just the steps. I didn't think that that was necessarily like. Like we're supposed to look at the the law as being unfair or even or the doctor being a jerk or anything like that I, I sort of just felt like it was like, was it absolutely uncomfortable and horrible for Kate to have to sit there and answer those questions? Yes. Was it difficult for the doctor and she seemed to, you know, have empathy for Kate that she didn't want to have to ask them? Yes. I, I thought it was presented kind of fair. You know, I, di I didn't really think that they were being heavy handed like this is unfair. Kate shouldn't have to sit here and answer these questions or somehow the doctor was being difficult with her or something like that. Did, did you feel like it had more of an agenda than that? Was I missing something? Well, as you were saying it, and I'm reviewing the scene in my mind, I think depending on where you land on that issue, you might be able to read it either way. You might be able to say, well, it's a good idea that she has that moment to wait and decide if she wants to go forward. And then there are the, then there's the opposite side that would be, and, and this is kind of how I read it, which was the look on the doctor's face and the way in which she read the question was like, yeah, I think this is shit too, but this is the law and I have to do it. So we're going to do it this way. Well, and not in an ugly, so we're going to do it this way kind of way, but just like a, I have to fill out this form so that we can yeah, move to the next step. That's, that's really what I meant. And so, you know, I didn't, I felt okay about that. You know, I was actually a little bit surprised. They showed the scene when she was actually having the abortion, having the procedure for a couple of reasons, I guess, because it kind of seemed like if we were going to go there, I'm not sure if there should have been more or less there. Something about it felt a little unfinished or something. I don't know quite how to say it. Like, like, I don't know what was the planned thing. Like maybe because of COVID, they had to shoot that differently. So maybe she was the only person sitting there because of 
not being able to have a lot of people around or something like that. But there was something about it that didn't feel resolved for me, that scene. Hmm. And I'm not sure what it was. I'm not saying I wanted to see the procedure. Certainly not. I'm not saying that I thought they should have removed the scene, but something felt like it was kind of compromised, like maybe they couldn't shoot it the way that they wanted to. Can't exactly explain why. It just didn't feel quite right as the viewer. Did you pick up on anything or like, did you want that scene or not there or not there? See, that's that's what I mean by we could have probably lived without it because they had unwrapped the present last week or last episode when they said she got the abortion. Then they show a scene when she's at the abortion clinic. All of us can do that math. That's the thing. Like, it's almost like they wanted to show us or tell us more. It is like they wanted to tell us more. Or they or 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 something. Something wasn't quite conveyed. I mean, unresolved or like you kind of brought us to the brink, but like we didn't get there. I'm not sure, but it just didn't feel right. That's what makes me ask that a question about is there something the writers are saying about the way they feel about because this is the season remember the pre-season talk that they had with you know the the zoom that we had where the the writers said finally when they were asked you know the show's been apolitical why jump into things now and they meant things like blm and they meant things like the larger national elections but they might have been answering even smaller questions about these individual character moments that play into larger issues and the way that they feel about them and then expressing that through the writing and the scene what message were you getting because because i've sat in an obgyn's office i've had all kinds of conversations with my doctor so because you're a guy and you wouldn't have had but been privy to what those rooms look like or what those conversations sound like did it come off oddly to you or or like there was something being trying to be said there well like i mentioned a second ago the read i got in the way that things were conveyed and i hope people write in and say no there's another way to look at it because that's why we do this to learn other ways of looking at stuff and sometimes you know I enjoy hearing those things as long as they're, you know, not mean. Uh, <laughs> well, you know, um, if I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to throw this out there. If you want to correct anything that Paul's about to say, or if you have your own POV, I recommend that you absolutely do write into us and be constructive. Try to educate. You know, if there's something here that, because I, I don't know what Paul's about to say, but if there's something here that you want to like set straight, please come with like less emotion and more, you know, genuine desire to educate here because I think that men and women have have very different experiences in this world. I think there's a lot of things that I've gone through, again, sitting in those offices you know, 99% of the time by myself talking to a doctor. Some of the stuff that might be shown that you might see as like, wow, that was really wild. I'm like, I answer that every year. Or I have that same questionnaire that I've been answering since I was like 13. These are the questions they ask. This is what is asked of me. I actually don't know what they ask of you. <laughs> you know, I don't understand that glove and cough thing that they do at you guys. So I'm just saying, you know, there's things that happen in the different rooms that they kind of just don't talk about. You know, there's plenty of adult people who don't know what happens in the other person's room. Well, with all that preamble, the read I got was decidedly pro-choice in showing so many scenes, outlining all of the trouble and added weight that is put on the woman's shoulders in order to do what she feels is best for her life. Instead of just being able to to do it, she has to do all this other stuff too. The way that it was staged, the way that it was written, the way that it was acted, the read I got was, why are we making them do all this extra stuff 
instead of just letting them make their own choices. Okay. I, I think that that's, that's entirely fair. I don't think that there was, you know, any conversation about, you know, adoption in this, in this case or about, you know, really a pro-life tact. So I guess you're, you're right in that regard. I mean, I think that they presented her story as pretty cut and dry in terms of her, her boyfriend, Mark being so abusive. And I think universally there wouldn't be anyone who'd be like, yeah, no, she should be tied to that guy. He, he doesn't seem like he'd beat a child or, you know, like Uh, we, we were all worried about him having any contact with her or any future kiddo or anything. So I can understand, I understand what you're saying. I think I guess I was taking it as more matter of fact, like this is what it looks like. So I don't know if that is like a message to people either way, I guess. Does that make sense? Like, I, mm-hmm. like it's just like, well, That's, these yeah. are the steps that women go through. So I, I don't, I guess I didn't, have, maybe I'm just so accustomed to like, yeah, we have to jump through hoops every time we want to make any choices. I mean, I jump through hoops for, for, you know, birth control pills, you know, getting the right prescriptions and the cost with the insurance. And I guess I'm just so accustomed to the amount of paperwork and expected. Did you feel like they were saying like, they sh- you shouldn't have to go through this? It wasn't like you said, it wasn't hitting you over the head with that commentary, but I thought the commentary was still there and, but you didn't. For not not on really watching it. I just I was curious about how uh, I've never been an 18 year old girl having an abortion, um, you know, without a parent there um, or without, a, you know, a, a boyfriend, girlfriend, whatever with you kind of thing. So I didn't really know what to expect exactly how this was all going to play out for Kate, for the character. But I thought that the actual steps that they laid out and the and the you know the twenty four hour waiting period and all that stuff that that just seems like yeah that's what it is. There's a twenty four hour waiting period, you know. Like it didn't feel like they were saying, well, that's like too much or too little or whatever for Kate because she's eighteen and she's trying to do this on a weekend when her mom's not in the house. The time mattered, you know, that mm-hmm. having to wait that extra day really mattered. So there was like more of a character part, I guess, I was putting into it rather than like a larger message. Okay. But I totally respect that you were like seeing it from like a much larger, you know, agenda. And that makes sense because like you said, why would they just stop at BLM or why would they just stop at, you know, any particular message this season? If they're going to talk about different things, why wouldn't they bring up pro-life, pro-choice? You know, that's totally on there. So listeners, if you guys felt like they were taking a particular stance and you felt like they were like shoving it down your throat or they were trying to make it look like it was too hard or too easy or whatever, you know, I'm eager to hear what you guys think. For sure. And that covers our our big three. And this was big three heavy. There was really wasn't tertiary like, you know, what's Deja's up to today? No, this was only the big three. What did you think about the fact that they had Kate go seek Mark and that we had that whole moment? Did you did you feel like it was satisfying as an audience member? I I think I know you pretty well, so I have an idea about <laughs> what you thought about actually seeking him out and everything. But but I don't know how how do you feel like the story unfolded for Kate? Do you think this will change her path in terms of how she directly related Mark and this trauma to food? First, only one question at a time. But go <laughs> <laughs> on. Um, not every person is going to need that closure with a high school boyfriend that screwed them over. But Kate definitely did need that. While I was watching this stuff, and it's not like I ever treated anybody like Mark treated her, but at the same time, at the end of the episode, I was thinking, I sure hope to God I'm no one's Mark. (laughs) 
teenage guys are dipshits, man. <laughs> if if there's a if there's a man my age that can that can look back at his at his 18-year-old self and be like, I am proud of 100% of that per what that person did. I I think we can identify a liar, you know, or someone that grew up to become a very good person. Most of us look back and are like, holy shit, that guy was terrible. Um, the satisfying part, I guess, is in knowing that that terrible guy remained terrible and actually kind of slid down the scale. It's one thing to be the assistant manager at a record store when you're 20. It's another thing to have that same job when you're 40, right? And so seeing him still have that and being in fact yelled at by the actual manager that part was sort of you know delicious <laughs> i think that it put kate you know it allowed kate to have that moment where she realized that she had grown so far past you know this record store life and everything and that he had never moved forward i mean i'm really glad that 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 entire scene played out the way it did on the Mark side, I'm just curious about, was it enough? Like Kate went all the way there. I really thought that she was going to need to say something about the abortion. I thought there was going to be something more about, you know, like you're an abuser and like you should get help. Like something like straight talk I thought was going to happen. And there was just sort of like, like a little bit of a glossing over. I mean, I know they're on a sidewalk. Don't get me wrong. And I realized that they had to film it this way. You notice how far apart all the right. actors yeah. were. Good point. It was like a triangle of like the manager's way over here, Mark's way over here, Kate's way over here. Like, I mean, it was, yeah, it was clearly following COVID protocols. Um, so I don't know, you know, that like sitting around a little tiny table at a coffee shop or having some more intimate conversation, like that's probably just not on the the table right now for COVID times. So they had to have this public thing. So I wonder again, did they alter the conversation? Did they say, you know what? Maybe Kate would have said more things, but she's not going to say it on a public sidewalk. So we're going to have to tweak this conversation a little bit. Or do you think this, that that was enough? What she said saying you, I attribute my food intake, my self-worth issues, my everything to this horrible relationship. And you're the cause of that. And I need you to know that. And I needed to see that you're really a weak little guy who doesn't have any control of me and I'm out of here. I think Kate came prepared to say all that ranging from nothing to like everything to, you know, forget it. I'm going to let Toby beat the fuck out of you. And that's just it. You know, all that stuff was on the table. Everything was. And we're just like screaming at him from the van window. Anything was on the table. <laughs> and instead, she assessed this guy is a goddamn loser. So I think she amended what she could have said and been like, it's satisfying enough to see you are currently in the toilet, but I still have some things I need to say or or they're going to be with me the rest of my life. All that stuff about the abortion, all that kind of stuff, that was more like, that would have been like beating this this wickedly dead horse, right? But the, the main idea, the crux of the idea, the source of what she had attributed her eating disorder and all that kind of stuff too, that was very important for her to have said. And as, in terms of course correcting any of that stuff, I would like to say that I am hopeful. I don't know. I mean, a lifetime of habits are hard to break, even when you do have that underlying burr out from underneath your saddle. But I'm hopeful. What about you, Caroline? 
I am also hopeful. Like I said, I didn't know exactly how much she had to get off her chest. And maybe it was really a two-part conversation. Maybe it was the conversation she had with Toby where she had to own it in terms of her own reproductive health. And, you know, and any part that, you know, being honest with him was an important step for her, obviously. I think she had to get that off her chest. It kind of made me wonder how many other things could be lurking in there that she just hasn't shared because I consider them a very close couple. You know, I consider them people who would have told each other the the, the grody details of things in their lives. And the fact that she had this sitting in there that she hadn't even told him means that she may still have more layers to go, I guess, you know, to really get down to feeling better about herself. So I don't know if this was first step stuff. So I think it was two parts that that Toby part admitting everything to him, sharing with him, getting that off her chest. And then the part where Mark isn't this big, bad wolf anymore, that she could physically see that he is a small, impotent man that has no control over her life. She has a wonderful man sitting right across the intersection, (laughs) you know, ready to pulverize him. So I think that it was like that was the second part of her sort of like unburdening herself and and just seeing the reality of the situation. I don't know how I feel about all of that being wrapped up in her weight issue. I'm trying to still decide whether I'm okay with it. I don't know how to say that differently. Like, of course, emotional issues, I mean, certainly for myself, plays into my own weight. Um, I think you could say the same stress and worry and all that kind of stuff definitely plays into our health issues all the time. I'm never sure how I feel about tying weight to external things and then thinking like if you could just simply go and talk to your mark, whatever your mark is, Mm -hmm. right? It might be your parent. It might It might be an ex-boyfriend. It might be facing some fear of yours or whatever. And then all of a sudden the weight will just fall off Mm -hmm. somehow. I feel like that's disingenuous to like the actual struggle of weight loss. Mm -hmm. At least I can only speak for my own self. Chalking up weight gain to a period where her self-esteem took such a mighty blow is certainly relatable. In my own life, my own self-esteem was not super great. That's when I gained a shitload of weight. And uh, even though we went on to be living the good life after that, my habits were set. I was who I was. And and even though things were okay and my self-esteem was fine at that point, didn't decide to lose any weight, you know? So what you're saying resonates with me personally. Uh, Mm. In terms of that bad start, for whatever reason, that's a lame way to put it, but it's a simple way to understand it. That bad start. So can I throw this in real quick? Because it matters. Like science wise, you supposedly develop your fat cells, like the number of fat cells you would have during like that pubescent adolescent time. So if you blow up at 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, like she did. Mm -hmm. If you're really heavy then, it's very difficult because even though you can shrink those fat cells, you have more fat cells than say if you were like a string bean at that age, it's kind of easier for you because you have less. So getting off on the wrong foot can set you up for a longer, more difficult battle. Yes, and as they say in the business, yes, her particular bad start, I think is legit. She only had the one boyfriend. The way that she felt valuable and worthwhile and all that stuff depended on how he treated her. But how he treated her was dependent on all of these just little arbitrary things, you know, like, oh, you want to watch Airplane? That effed her up for a long time. 
And I, and I think I can believe that. If she had had a million boyfriends, that would have been a different thing. But this is just the one. I buy it. I totally buy it. And we need to remember that it's not just Mark that was happening during this time frame. We also have the loss of Jack, you know, and mm-hmm. her own guilt pertaining to that. Now, that dog situation yeah. and Jack's guilt, I, mean, I don't think that that's resolved. So, I mean, I don't think so, right? I mean, she's still there that she feels like... Dad went in to get the dog and she was her well, dog. Well, they got radio or what's his name? Radio? The dog? Audio. Audio. So they got audio. So she's a little, she's a little, That's she true. might be. A little healing. Yeah. So I'll just be interested to see how she gets where she wants to go here because maybe she's going to end up finding a therapist that, you know, that she needs to talk to. I don't know. I'm curious about her journey and how they will find a road for her. Or if her weight has not mattered anymore, if she goes to the series finale at the same weight as she came in at the beginning, but she's just okay with her weight now. Her weight is, she doesn't care. It's not going back to that pilot and having the the post-it notes of like, don't eat the cake and, and getting on the scale and all that stuff. No longer is that her life. She's playing with her children and she's with Toby and things are not about her weight anymore. That would still be a great character arc. You know, where she's she's no longer, you know, guilty and upset and and berating herself internally, regardless of what her weight is. I think that's legit. I mean, on a human level, having that amount of weight on your body as you age is dangerous. But uh, on a person level, I think it's easy to get behind the idea that weight loss as a character arc is shit. You know, unless you're like in a Rocky movie or <laughs> or something, it shouldn't tie to your success as a character. I like that very much. I like that success and weight loss should not be viewed as, you know, the pinnacle of, you know, somebody's journey. Like I if she loses weight along the way. Great. I really hope that that isn't her arc. I really hope that it's self-acceptance, that these events that happened in her life and the people who came into her life, some good, some bad, some left too early, um, some stuck around too long, you know, all those things that if she can come to terms with those and she's a happy person at the end, wonderful, regardless of what the scale says. So I know that there had been talk a lot about the idea that that the actress, Chrissy Metz, had been given some sort of rule that she was going to have to lose weight by the end and blah, blah, blah. I know that's been refuted a bunch of times that that is not true and everything. So I... I'm kind of holding on hope. I would be pretty disappointed, actually, if they're like, hey, she resolved all her issues and now she's like 120 pounds and we're proud of her now. Like, oh, (laughs) (laughs) I want them to be proud of her and I want her to be proud of herself. I want everyone to be accepting of everyone at the end of the whole thing, because I we talk a lot about representation in a lot of different ways, Uh, sexuality, when it comes to skin color, all kinds of things. But it got brought up at, a, at an ATX festival that we were at a television festival that very rarely do people talk about having people overweight on TV and that that is representation as well and not making their weight be the sole thing about them, just like having it be the black guy or the gay girl or that it's not that that it, that she is a fully formed character. And also part of her thing is that she is heavier than other characters. Like the end, you know, like Mm -hmm. it's just part of her, you know. Mm -hmm. So I look forward to seeing how they resolve her storyline as we go along and 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 how much it will play in, because I can't decide for my own self. Do I want her to have this miraculous weight loss? Do I want 
all of her emotional things to, to come to a place where she can just suddenly feel perfect about herself and that somehow res- results in weight loss? Or do I like actually kind of don't want that talked about anymore? <laughs> I mm-hmm. can't decide. What do you yeah. think? No, I think, like I said, like a, from a physical health standpoint, if that's what she wants to do, because it is actually healthier to be in a certain range, then do that. But in terms of viewing her character or the or her worth or anything like that and tying in her weight as as a as a measure of success, I sure hope that's not part of it. I don't think they will. They've written better stories than that so far. Uh, it's it's actually very shameful that they that that people put that idea forth at the beginning of the show that that she would go through this weight loss thing as as a part of quote unquote character development. Right. I mean, that that's not even, doesn't that seem to sound dumb? Yeah. Uh, so it does. And simplistic and done. Unless you're Rocky, then you've got to lose weight. But <laughs> well, if you're not, then it's not a thing. He was trying to become an athlete who was prepared for the battle. Fair. Okay. So it wasn't about losing weight necessarily in that way. It was about making his body be in a place where he could like run faster than Apollo Creed on the beach. Exactly. Exactly. (laughs) Or, or, or punch harder so that he didn't get knocked out first. Right. But it's, it's not the same thing as like having the character step on the scale and like cry or what, you know, like, mm. she's more than that. She is more than that. They may have made her grow and, and continue past that point. I want her to continue that journey. I don't know if I want to sit in a therapist's office and talk about weight. I don't know if I want her to go back to Overeaters Anonymous. I don't know that I want that to be her entire story. You know, I think I'm really ready for her to move on, do more. I think she'll find that being the mother of a blind baby is 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 a lot. <laughs> so maybe we'll get back into that since we haven't seen much of baby Jack. I understand we probably won't as a result of uh, COVID protocols, but they do have real life to get back to here at some point in the remaining 13 episodes of this run. What else do you think we might be able to see in the, in the next couple of weeks just before we go here? I would imagine that we have to get back to Rebecca and find out more about what's going on there. Mm-hmm. I imagine that we have to go visit with Tai Lang and find out a lot more about what happened with Laurel. I think we probably need to visit with the girls. You know, I know you said you don't necessarily need to see Deja and and Tess um, and everyone. And now here's the thing. I have no idea how COVID protocols are going to touch those stories because them all sitting on the couch together, them having like, you know, her and Malik having some sort of like, you know, sex night or something like, I don't know. I, I don't think they're going to try to do those things just filming wise for safety. Mm-hmm. So then I don't know how that's going to affect our stories. You know, I really don't because there's a lot of things with the girls, especially that I think when I think of like teenage girls, they come in like a pack (laughs) or with their boyfriend or whatever. But like you don't really see them by themselves, like talking to like, you know, like nobody or you know what I mean? Like they kind of come in these little gaggles. So I am curious to see what they're going to do with all that. What do you think? What is predictions for you? Where are we going next? I think we're not going to see anyone address like a large auditorium full of people. I don't yeah. think we're going to see any of that. No, no more. What were they like? What were they called? Like city council, like, like town open halls. town halls. Yeah. yeah, no, I don't think any of that's happening. None of that. Mm-mm. More Zoom, perhaps. Mm-hmm. 
Yep. Maybe we'll be zooming with uh, High Lang. Or Kevin's uh, adventure back to the set. Um, I sure hope to shit there's not some time with some flirtatious co-star to, to derail us here. Because um, that feels like a temptation that ultimately would be dismissed and just like like a waste of narrative time, <laughs> but I could still see it happening on some shows. So I just hope that we don't. Yeah. I, I want to see them, those two hash things out a little more. Uh, I, with so many episodes left and all that, I, it's not going to be just like a straight line to happiness, but I sure hope that we, we get there. And then ultimately uh, with Kevin and Randall, I mentioned the, um, long road home, this call to Randall where Kevin admitted to using what would Randall do as a way to try to make large decisions in his life meant a lot to Randall, even though he was too hurt from their previous exchanges to admit it right then. I don't know if these men are going to have like a big session where they explain not explain but apologize or what but i think this is like the first step that because men either do a couple things they either ignore each other for the rest of their lives or they do what they're trying to do in this episode which is they just start doing normal things again and hope no one brings up that old shit that made us yell at each other i don't think that's gonna work in this case i think they're gonna have to have a come to jesus moment together what do you think? I have a difficult time knowing how in the world some of those words are going to be taken back, you know, and maybe that's the thing. Maybe this is that toothpaste out of the tube kind of experiments where it's like, no, you can't take it back, but you do need to move forward. How does that look? But I, it is gritty, Paula. I mean, I think this is just it's it's not going to be nice and polite and and like manage to move on without a lot of deep hurt that, you know, may or may not fully be resolved. We've seen them in the flash forwards. We've seen Kevin and Randall. They weren't back slappy, huggy, kissy face. You know, they were there. They showed up. Everyone was there. But you know, those deep wounds aren't going to heal in a day. We, we try to teach children forgive and forget. But as adults, we know forgiving is often 1000 times easier than forgetting. And that may be just where they are and where they will be is we both said shitty things. OK. And, and it might even linger in the back of my head for the rest of my life. Exactly right. <laughs> but I love you. And I would rather you be in my life than not. Yes. And there's more good here than bad. So let's keep working on being a family. The thing is, I think they're going to have to say more than what they did this week. I think they're going to... Oh, God, yeah. I think we're going fully to the end of the season on this this terrible fight, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, and I think it may get worse before it gets better, to be honest with you. You know, things could get even weirder. Sounds difficult to think about, but I think that that's true, you know? So that's our time this week, children. Um, <laughs> Thanks you guys so much for listening. Come on over to Pod Clubhouse on Twitter. Come see us over on Facebook. We're in the This Is Us discussion groups. Come talk to us about what you think, theories we've said. I do want to throw out that there was an article that just came out tonight, which this is Monday night before the episode plays, about that test that Kate was taking and people were eye spying an ovulation test box and then also a pregnancy test actually stick and kind of being like, how could that be? The article says 
totally production error. It was just one of those things that even though so many eyes had been laid on those scenes, it just slipped by because of COVID times and everybody just being so frazzled. So we can all put our theory hats down on that one, take the red <laughs> string off of the board for that one. They claim there is it was just an accident and, and that just, it just happened to be there. So... So there's that. She wasn't <laughs> trying to get pregnant. That's what ovulation tests are for, right? I'm trying to get pregnant. So no, she was just trying to find out if she was pregnant. And that's, that's all there it. was. There's, there's no like intercut splicing from an ovulation <laughs> date. Like, no, 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 no. But thanks so much for listening and we'll see you guys next week. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you.